Hey everybody, I'm Pastor Jeff Dawes, lead pastor here at Stockbridge Community Church. And I just want to say thank you for listening to our podcast today. I hope this message inspires you and encourages you. Enjoy today's message. you've ever heard this uh, joke or not, but I heard the joke of an elephant and a mouse. They were actually walking and they had to cross a ravine and the only way to cross a ravine was cross a bridge. And so sure enough, the elephant and the mouse take off across the bridge and as as the elephant's walking, the bridge is shaking and the little mouse is bumping all over trying to get across the bridge and they finally get across the bridge and the little mouse looks up at the elephant and says, boy, we shook that bridge, didn't we? (laughs) There's power in we. We. Not me, but we. I want to talk you, take you into a, the story in the Bible today. It's true. I hate to say stories like it sounds like it's make-believe, but it's true. It's when God moved his people from Egyptian bondage of 400 years, 400 years, generation after generation after generation, that's all they known was Egyptian slavery. And God comes in and sends a man by the name of Moses, and Moses comes, up, comes on the scene, and God uses him to lead them out. And they lead, they're led out, and many of you know the story, how they walk into to the desert, and, and, the, and the Egyptians come after them, and there's nowhere to go because the sea's in front of them, and God parts the sea. They walk across on dry ground. It's a miracle, and they get across, and then God lets the sea come back onto the army of the Egyptians. And as they're going across the desert, then, you know, they get hungry and God sends, a, uh, like, bread down from heaven and, and, and sends quail so that they can eat. It's amazing the miracles that God has done. And they're going on a journey because God says, I'm going to give you a land. I'm going to give you what's called the promised land. It's, it flows with milk and honey. It is fertile. It is a great land. And so that's their hope, their, their hope to get to that land. And sure enough, they get, finally, they, they're traveling through the desert, and they get right on the edge of what is like Israel now, Jordan, that area. They get right there. They had just crossed this Jordan River, and it was a miracle, and, and they get right there. And so Moses says, okay, it's just right over there. Right there it is. Just right. It's just a few miles away. And so they're camped out there, and Moses sends 12 spies. He says, I want you to go check out the land, see what we need to do to take over the land, because God promised this land to us. And so they send 12 spies into the land, and sure enough, when they get into the land, they have never seen such huge fruit in their life. I mean, like, the soil is so fertile, and it's like vegetation is so huge, it's growing. They brought back big clusters of grapes, and it, it was amazing. And it was truly flowing with milk and honey. It was amazing. And so when they come back, Moses said, give us a report. They said, oh, we should know, Moses, it is true. This land is flowing with milk and honey. I mean, it is, we've never seen vegetation like this. It's wonderful. And then 10 of the 12, 10 of the 12 stopped right there and they said, but there's giants in the land. The guy, Goliath, it must have been Goliath's forefathers because he said there's giants in the land and they're huge people. And they called the name of the people that they were. And and they said, so we can't, there's no way we can come up against those people. And they gave a bad report. And they said, we can't do it. 
And then there was two men that went, the other two, there was 10 said, gave a bad report, but there was two that stood up and said, no, 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 wait a minute, whoa, whoa, wait a minute. One of them's by the name of Caleb, the other one named Joshua. And Caleb begins to speak, and this is what he says in Numbers 13 and 30, it says this. Then Caleb silenced the people before Moses and said, we should go up and take possession of the land. Would you read the last part with me? Let's read it together. Come on, out loud, everybody. For we can certainly do it. Let's say it again. You ready? Come on. For we can certainly do it. We can. Just like the elephant and the mouse, we can do it with God. When it comes to God, we, we're the mouse, right? He does all the work, but we just believe it. We can do it. We can certainly do it. The words that I want to share with you today are two powerful words because of the words we can. Would you say those two words with me? Let's just say, ready? Come on. We can. Just think about what you're facing and the person beside you right now, that they're there for a reason, that no matter what you're going through, that's we can. It's we can. We can make it in this marriage. We can make it as a family. We can make it through this school year. We can, we can make it through this pandemic. We can make it through this job crisis. We can, we can make it. We can do it. Amen? We can do it. And so that's the words I want you to remember as we get through this season because it is a season and we will get through it. Amen? And so as we get through this season, I want you to remember these four words. They're coming up on the screen and let's say them out loud. Those of you that are watching at home as well, let's say it out loud. Here we go. You ready? Let's say them. We can do it. Let's say it again. Come on. You ready? We can do it. 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 We can make it. And that's what I want you to know today is that we can. Me can't, but we can. How about that? Me can't, but we can. And I want you to know that we can do it together. As we begin to talk about this, I want to talk to you because the, the issue that they had was they had big problems over there. It was big people. And so, they had, so you know, God had done all these miracles for them, but yet they see these people in this land, so they're bigger than us. It's a big problem. And so today I want to tell you that we have big problems in our world. We have big problems in our communities, and many of us have big problems in our homes. And so it's real easy when you see the big problems to forget about God. So I want to tell you, what did it, how, did, how do you face big problems? How do we do that? How to face my big problems? That's what I want to talk to you about right now. I want to give you three things that you must avoid when you face a big problem because they're, they're human nature, they're going to happen, and the devil's tactics have never changed. He's still the same as he was hundreds of years ago. Amen, everybody? And so we know what his tactics are, so we don't have to fall for them. And the first thing that he throws at us is as soon as we begin to try to move forward, and especially when we face a big problem, he does this. Number one is this, is blaming God, blaming God. It's the same thing that happened with these people. Thousands of years ago, they did the same thing. Look what happened. They faced a big problem. They heard about the giants in the land, and this is what they said. Why is the Lord bringing us to this land only to let us fall by the sword? Do you see that? In other words, God's done all those miracles, that, and we've come to this point, and because they saw that problem, that big problem, they said, oh, well, we're done now, and it's God's fault. Many of us go through that. When we have a big problem, whether it be whatever uh, situation in our life, it's a tendency to blame God. And we don't maybe say, well, God, this is your fault. But what we do say is that, you know what? Well, I just don't believe God like I used to. This happened to me. You know, this is happening. Or we say, you know, why me? Why me, God? Why me? You know, and then we start telling God all the good that we've done so it shouldn't be us, right? It should be somebody else because you got the wrong number. I've done all this for you, God. We're really blaming God blaming God. 
The second thing I would tell you is this. The second thing is, uh, number, uh, is, number two is dwelling on the worst case scenario. Number two is dwelling on the worst case scenario. That's what we do, is that when we have a big problem, that's the temptation, is dwelling on the worst case scenario. And so we will find this, that they did the same thing. Look what happened. Remember, big problem. So they blamed God, and then they said this. They said, our wives and our children will be taken as plunder. Do you see how that went? The worst case scenario right there. Not only is there big people over there, but if we go in, you know, well, God brought us here to die. He's leaving us. And then we're going to go in and they're going to take our wives and our children from us and they're going to murder us. I mean, worst case scenario. And that's exactly what happens with us, isn't it? We begin dwelling on the worst case scenario and it begins to take us down. You see, when we dwell on the worst case scenario, we begin to feel the emotion of something that has not happened yet. The fear that you feel right now, the fear, the anxiousness that you fear right now is what my, you know, if, if you get this disease, if you get this virus or, you know, what if you get this and you're going to get put on a ventilator and you'll be in a hospital for six months and you're probably going to die. And if you get, get wet, if you come off the ventilator, you've got a long recovery ahead of, you see how that, we paint that picture in our minds constantly. And when you paint those kind of pictures in your mind, guess what? You're paying for a bill that you do not owe. And you have to understand that. That worst case scenario it will be a temptation to you and to me. <laughs> Penn State uh, University did, a re- did some research on this. They found out the people that had the greatest anxiety on campus, and they said, okay, this is what we want you to do. For the next 10 days, we want you to write down uh, all of your anxieties, everything that you fear. And so to make sure that they did that, they sent them a text every two hours, and they asked them to write it down. Write down, what is your worst fears? What are you, th- what are you fearing right now? And so for 10 days, people did every two hours, they wrote that down. And then after 30 days, they brought those people in, set them down, and they read their text messages to them of the things that they worried about. And they asked them the question, how many of these things have happened that you feared would happen in the next 30 days? How many have happened? 91% of the things that they feared would happen never happened. And of the 9% that did happen, it was not half as bad as they thought it was going to be. They made it. It was okay. What I'm trying to tell you today is that you and I, when we dwell on the worst case scenario, we are spending emotional energy that we don't have to spend, and it's called fear, amen? And it'll destroy you. It'll it'll rob you of what is today. And God, I want to challenge you in the name of Jesus to not do that. So avoid that. Then the last one, the third thing is this, is that the thing to avoid is we said blaming God, the worst case scenario. And then the last one is this, is returning to the old destructive ways of life. Returning to the old destructive ways of life. That happens so many times, doesn't it? Like again, here they are. Now listen, remember what we said, they got right to the edge of promised land. God's done all these miracles. They're right there. They begin to say, well, God's brought us this far to let us die. And then our wives are children. They're going to be plundered. They're going to be killed dwelling on the worst case scenario, and then it got worse. Here's what they said. And they said to each other, we should choose a leader and go back to Egypt. Oh, my goodness. Did you hear that? We should choose a leader and go back. We should go back. What they were saying was, we've had freedom. We've been walking God. We've been with God. But because we face this big problem, forget God. It's better that we go back and be slaves again for generations. Remember, I mean, like, they were told what to do, when to do, how to do it, and they were beaten, and they, and they were uh, kept of many things, and they said, we should go back to that. You know what the devil's tactic is? Watch this. Here we go. Watch this. 
His tactic is always the same. When you have a new big problem, he will tell you that your old problem went so bad. And what he will try to do is get you to go, he tries to use a, what seems to be a huge problem, and, and he tries to get you to go back because if he can get you to go back, he's got you. Listen, we think if we go back, we'll find, in, we'll find freedom, but what we find is enslavement. It's still there, the old problem, amen? Through this pandemic, again, Blue Cross Blue Shield did a study, and they found out that uh, alcohol consumption in the home through this pandemic went up 23%. Smoking went up 19%. Vaping went up 15%. And the use of illegal drugs went up almost 20%. Pornography went up a high percentage. Uh, As a matter of fact, some of the countries like France and Italy, uh, they began to make pornography free to help people deal with it. I mean, that's not helping anybody, right? And then, then the worst case of all is that sex trafficking has went through the roof through this pandemic. Do you know that I read that uh, in one week at the end of May in Cleveland, Ohio, that five children went missing in one day. One day they went on the missing children's report. One day. Five at one time. And I just want to tell you something. Let me tell you something. Sex trafficking is wrong and, and messing with children is wrong. I don't care how much money you got. Amen. No, don't get me started on that. But I think we have a, we got an issue in our nation today, in, a, in our world today, that's exploiting our children. And we have to wake up to it. But it says go back to your old life. And you, maybe you, when things get rough in your life and you have a big problem, I would say that if you're a human being, you're tempted to go back to those old ways. All of us are. But we want to avoid that. We want to avoid it. So we're saying these words today to... to today that we don't blame God, that we don't dwell on the worst case scenario, and that we do not, that we do not go back to our old destructive ways. So we're saying these words that are on the screen. Let's say them out loud. You ready? Come on. We can do it. We can do it. I want to give you three things now to do when you face a big problem that we're learning right out of this story. Again, (laughs) the tactics of the enemies don't change and God's ways don't change. Look what it says this. The first thing, let me give you number one. The first thing to do when you face a big problem is this, is always side with the Lord. Always side with the Lord. Always. You know, look what it says in Numbers 14 and 9. Caleb gets up and he begins to speak to the people and he says this, only do not rebel against the Lord. What is rebelling against the Lord? Rebelling is that when you know what God says to do and you refuse to do it. Have you ever rebelled before? I remember rebelling one time when I was at home, my job was to take the trash can to the road. That was my job. And I remember one time that I rebelled to do it. And you know how I rebelled to do it? I act like I forgot about it when I really didn't forget about it. You know, I like, oh, I didn't do that. The tra- and the trash didn't get to the road. Well, I bore the marks of that mistake. <laughs> my dad... My dad believed in spanking, and I got a good one for that. You know, I remember that. Like, uh, you know, rebelling. I just refused to do it, but I said, oh, I forgot. He said, no, you didn't, boy. I done told you about that, you know. And and so, but I'm just saying rebelling is that. It's making a decision that I'm not going to do what I know what God wants me to do. That is rebellion when you do that. And there's always a consequence to rebellion. You know, when when bad things happen to us, it's very easy to go and say, God, it's your fault. But remember Job in the Bible? Remember the guy Job, how that 
As the, as the book of Job opens up, how did we see this man who was a good, godly man, done nothing wrong. The Bible called him righteous. You know, he was good. He was a righteous dude. Okay, yeah, that's all right. Hang with me, people, all right? Help me out here. But he was righteous. And, and, and then the Bible says that God allowed the devil to come in and, and, and destroy, you know, his, his fields. Uh, his fields were destroyed. And then the next day he gets a word just like, I mean, one minute a servant comes in and says, hey, a, a hailstorm has happened and your fields are destroyed. And, and then they come back in and said, hey, it's not just a field. Another guy comes in and said, all your cattle and sheep are gone. They've been killed as well. And then somebody else comes in like a few minutes later and says, by the way, that hailstorm, it, it also took out your, a house that your children were in and all of them have been killed as well. And it's like everything overwhelmed. I mean, oh, about being overwhelmed, he was overwhelmed, I'm sure. But look at his response, what he says. He says this, naked I come from my mother's womb, and naked I will leave. The Lord gave me what I had, and the Lord has taken it away. Now, would you read what's underlined with me? Let's read that loud. Ready? Come on. Praise the name of the Lord. You know what? That's what he's saying, is that, listen, God, God's got me. This hurts me, it breaks my heart, but God's got me. He says, I'm going to praise God. I'm not going to give up on God no matter what happens in my life. If, 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 my, if my wealth is gone, God is still God. If my family's gone, God is still God. No matter what happens in my life, God is still God. How about with you? I mean, what is it to, I have a big question right now, a big question. What, is it, what will it take for you to walk away from God? What will it take? I mean, is it the divorce? Is it losing a loved one? Is it a financial crisis? Is it a boyfriend or girlfriend breakup? What is it? What is it that will, that will cause you to say, I'm done with God? And Job just said, listen, it doesn't matter what. He said, because I come into this world with nothing, I'm going to leave with nothing, and God has given me everything. I'm not going to turn my back on God no matter what. How about you? It's making that decision. I'm not turning my back on God. And that, my friend, is the spirit that will get you through what you're going through. It's making that decision. You know what? I, I want every one of you to look. I want to look you in the eyes, so I want you to look at the screen, if you don't mind. And I'm going to look at the camera, and for those that are home, look at your screen. Today, I want to tell you, you will never have security until you have Jesus Christ in your life. Because when everything in this world is gone, he will be there. And he will give you what you need when you need it. And so I want to encourage you today, if you, have, if you do not have a relationship with Jesus, that you make that decision today. Or if you have walked away from God, that you turn around and you walk back to God today. And you simply do that by asking Jesus Christ to be the Savior of your life right now. Ask him to come into your life right now and save you. And the way that we would like you to, to know that you did that, if you're in the room or if you're actually watching online, is that you would text the words, following Christ to this number. If you would text that those words following Christ so that we can pray for you and that we can send you something as well. I want you to, can we just give God a hand for everyone that just gave their life to Jesus Christ? Amen. So again, it's coming up on the screen. Let's say it together. Let's say our, our four words together. You ready? Come on. Here we go. 
We can do it. Say it again with some confidence. Ready? We can do it. We can do it. We can do it. We can do it. That may be some words for you on your ride home. Maybe you, walk, maybe you come to church today or maybe you went to the beach and you're on the beach watching and maybe an argument's broke out in your family and there's division. Maybe you need to say, we can do this. We can get through this. The second thing I would say with you to do is this, is to partner with people that have faith in Jesus. Partner with people that have faith in Jesus. That's what, that's what we do, is partner with people that have faith in Jesus. Look what it says here. Caleb, again, he's speaking to the people. Look what he says. Do not be afraid of the people of the land because there are those two words. Let's say them. You ready? Come on. We will. Let's say them again. We will. We will swallow them up. Their protection is gone, but the Lord is with us. Come on, read the last line. You ready? Do not be afraid of them. If I could say anything to you today is that you need someone in your life that can speak that to you when you're facing a big problem is don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Don't go back to the old patterns of blaming God, worst case scenario, dwelling on it, and leaving, going back to your old life. Don't do it. If you dwell on it, you will ha- it will happen. Just refuse. I'm not going to do that. You see, again, it's not what I can do, and it's not what you can do. It's what we can do with God. Amen? Because you and me with God are a majority. We're like the elephant, right? The mouse with the elephant is that we, we, we're the, we feel like the mouse, but God can make things happen. And I want to tell you that, that God can make things happen. Moms, I want to look at you. Moms and dads, I want to tell you, we're going to get through this school year together. I know right now it's crazy, and you wonder, how in the world are we ever going to get through this? I want you to know, we together, with your church, we're going to partner with you, and we're going to figure this out, and we're going to get through this together. Teachers, I want to tell every one of you that, listen, I know right now things are crazy and you're scared to death that we're going to get through this together. We are going to get through this together and we're partnering together. That job situation, I want you to know, we're going to get through that together. We're going to get through what we're going through. We will get through this season. It will end. Amen? It will end. Look what the Bible says. Jesus said this actually, Matthew 18. He says, I tell again... I tell you that if two of you on earth agree about anything you ask for, it will be done by my Father in heaven. Notice that. He didn't say it might be. He said it will be. You say, well, I've been praying, Jeff, it hasn't happened yet. That's all right. It's coming. You just hold on. It's coming. God's timing may not be your timing, but when you pray, God begins to work. Amen? He does. He begins to work. He says, it will be done by my Father in heaven. For where two or three come together in my name, there I am with them. I want you to know there's nothing more powerful than two or three people coming together and praying together. Right now, listen, there's a lot of us that can't be together in, our, in a big way. You know, we're like this big group, we're all social distance here. But you know, we can't come together like that normally. But what you can do is come together with somebody through prayer, amen? Like I, what I'm trying to get you to do through this pandemic is I want you to find two or three people. I want you to get a little text prayer circle with those two or three And I want you to begin to share the needs of each other and pray for each other and hold each other up and watch what God will do. God answers prayer. You know, this uh, this week, uh, we we have a lady in our church who's been diagnosed with cancer. And so there was someone that, someone in our church sent out a message to, to some ladies. 25 ladies showed up here like on a Wednesday night just to pray for that, that lady that she'll be healed. I believe she's gonna be healed, amen? Isn't that amazing? 
You know, God, listen, let me tell you, God is answering prayer like I've, I've never seen in my lifetime. I'm hearing miracles like I've never heard before in my lifetime. You know why? Because people are praying. People are praying now like never before. Uh, matter of fact, there was a young lady who had, a, had COVID-19. She's, a, she's seven months pregnant. And, and, and she'd had a, a hard time with it. I mean, like, you know, she'd had it for two weeks. A fever would come and go, come and go. She could not get over it. Had a bad cough and couldn't get over it. And, and listen, someone, some, someone from our church prayed for her. And they, they prayed for her. And they said, we're going to believe God is going to do this. And, and, and they said, do you believe? She said, I do believe. She said, we're going to believe God to do it. And I want you to know that afternoon, her fever broke. And two days later, she went and got tested. She doesn't have it anymore. And her lungs are clearing up. Why? Because God still does miracles. Amen? Listen, pray about it. I, I run into this week. Rhonda and I was at a, at a pastor's gathering, uh, a small pastor's gathering. And I run into one of our uh, guys that had served on staff with me, Pastor Kevin. And, and Pastor Kevin Burroughs was telling me about his father. I was asking, how's his dad doing? His dad was diagnosed with brain cancer two, mo- two years ago. And he was telling me that how the, the cancer had, had taken advantage of his dad and they were taking him down a road and they had to go to hospice and they were uh, signing him into hospice. But as they were signing him into hospice, they had to have another report for the, for the, for the insurance to, to pay. And, and so he had to go back and have another scan. And we went back and had another scan. They found that there was no cancer in his brain. He was cancer-free. <laughs> Hallelujah. He said, we've been praying. I want you to know that God still does miracles. He's working. He answers your prayers and your prayers and your prayers and your prayers. Don't you quit praying. Don't give up on God, amen. And you find you somebody that will hold you up in prayer. The world will tell you, you can't do this and you can't do that. And it's bad and it's getting worse. But you need somebody to be a person of faith and say, oh, but God has not had the last word yet. God is still on the throne. God's still the miracle worker. God's still the way maker, amen. He's still the promise keeper. You don't let go of God, amen. Hallelujah. I need somebody to tell me that, don't you? I don't need another negative Nancy, amen. I don't need somebody just to tell me all the time how bad it is. I know how bad it is. I don't need to be reminded. I need somebody to remind me that even though I can't see God, that he's working, and I know he's still working, and he's still doing miracles, amen. Hallelujah. He's a way maker. And that's why I want to encourage you to do a two or more group. I sign up on your connection card. I want to encourage you to do that. And then, listen, pump it up. We, we, we're trying to, we can't invite people to church anymore. They're scared to come. I mean, I hope you invite them, but they're probably not going to come right now. They're scared. And so, you know what we're doing is next Saturday, we're going to them. You can't come to us. That's all right. When people can't come to church, the church goes to them, and that's what we're going to do. And I want to invite you to come and join me. Listen, we're going to mask up. We're going to glove up. We're going to look like aliens out here. But we're going in the name of Jesus, amen? And we're going we're gonna to pump their gas. You know what? Not many days from now, we will hear someone say, you know what? Those people were pumping my gas, and, and, and they were praying over my car. God, I felt something, and something happened inside of me, and, and, and I got well, and my family got well, and my finances got healed. God did something. Amen? Yeah. Amen. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. You're a part of a church that does that. We're not. Are we afraid? No. Are we going to take uh, precautions? Yes. 
I'm not going to be stupid. <laughs> Amen. On the screen, let's say it one more time. It's coming up. Here we go. Let's say it. You ready? Let's say these four. Out loud. Come on, everybody at home as well. Let's do it. We can do it. We can do it. Aren't you glad you come today? Aren't you glad you tuned in today? Oh, this third one is even my favorite. You say, you can get even more passionate. I can. Number three is choose a different spirit. Choose a different spirit. Look what God said to Caleb. The other 10 spies, he said, you're never going into the promised land. Matter of fact, since all y'all rebelled, the whole nation, you're going to spend 40 years out here in the desert. But when those 40 years are up and all y'all are dead and gone, Joshua and Caleb still be alive. They're going in. This is what he says. Look what he says. He says, because my servant Caleb had a what? Different Different spirit. That's what God's looking for right now. A different spirit. Not one of, of chaos and division and backbiting. He's looking for one of unity and of love and of peace and of faith and of hope. Amen? Caleb had a different spirit. And follows me wholeheartedly. I will bring him into the land he went to and his descendants will inherit it. Notice that. God says, not on, when you choose a different spirit, you change your family tree. You change, you see, many of you say, well, we got a family curse. No, you got a family bad spirit. (laughs) Yeah, that's been going on a long time. It's time for somebody to break it. And so how did did Caleb develop this, this different spirit? Because Caleb remembered. You see, when we worry, and let me say this, Caleb rehearsed what God had done for him in the past. When we, re, when we, when we, when we begin to look into the future we, and we start dwelling on the worst case scenario, it creates fear and worry. But when we focus on what God has done in the past and we begin to rejoice in that, it creates joy in our hearts, right? So watch this. Caleb said, hey, boys. Men and women, I want you to, I remember when we walked out of Egypt and we come to the Red Sea and there was nowhere to go. I remember that when Moses held that rod up, I remember it was God Almighty himself who stepped in the middle of that sea, held his hands up and held the waters back. It was God that did that. I remember what God did. He said, you know, I remember when we were going across the desert and we didn't have anything to drink. We were thirsting to death and there was a big rock. And I watched God, Moses strike that rock and God caused water to gush right out of that rock. I remember what God did. I remember how God fed us and how God has never left us. I just remember everything that he does. And when you begin to remember what God has done in the past, he gives you faith for the future. Amen? Hear the word of the Lord. Listen, quit looking at what's going around you and remember what God has already done for you. <laughs> Here, listen, stop dwelling on what's happening right now and remember what he's already done. And if he was God in your life yesterday, 10 years ago, he'll be God in your life today and 10 years from now. Amen. And remember what God has done. And the Bible calls that rejoicing. And in Philippians 4 and 4, it says this, rejoice in the Lord always. I say it again, rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord always. I say it again, rejoice. 
What is rejoicing? It's remembering what God has already done. Has God done anything for anybody in this room? Can I see a hand that God done something for you? Amen. At home, how about, has God done something for you? I mean, proudly wave it, amen. God's done something for me, amen. Well, if he's done it for you before, he'll do it again, amen. And when you get overwhelmed with the presence and everything that's happening, that big problem, you just go back and say, I'm not going to dwell on what's going on around me. I'm going to remember what God's already done for me. In the season that we're in, it can get discouraging. Rhonda and I went on a two-week break a couple weeks ago. And we've been working very, very hard trying to do everything we could to serve you guys, our church family. You know, we prayed almost on Facebook. I think it was almost 70, 70 nights. We never missed a night praying live. Until we can meet back. And I was believing, I was believing that God was going to do a miracle and that this pandemic, this virus would be out of here and that we'd be able to come back together full house again. And we opened up May 31st. And we still had a virus. We still had to be cautious. And many of our people could not come back. And I thought, well, it'll be next week. It'll get better next week. Next week, it's going to be better. You just wait. It's going to be better. It's going to get better every week. And sure enough, the numbers started going down. I thought, yes, we're getting there. Hallelujah. More people was able to come to church. And then all of a sudden, bam, starts spiking again. That began to take a toll on me. Because I believed so much it was going to get better. And watching every week people not be able to come back to God's house. I don't know how to explain that to you. All that I can say is that, you know, if you have children and you haven't been able to see them in a long time, that's sort of the pain that I was feeling. It hurts not to be able to see the people, the ones that are real fragile in their faith that were just beginning to grow. And you see, many of you have been seasoned Christians and you're going to make it, but there's a lot on the fringes that I'm concerned that they can't be in God's house because they need it more than ever before. We all need it. And so after being on that time away, Rhonda and I, the last part of our time, we went up on to Hawassi and we were staying with some a mentor of mine who has a lake up there, uh, a house on the lake. And we're getting ready to go. And I talked to him. I was like, listen, I've been the pastor of my church for 25 years and, and I've never felt it like I am now. And I said, man, it's just like a loss. It's like I'm grieving. It's like something's happened. Because I was expecting it to be short term and it's not over. It's not ending. And I made this statement to him. I was like, you know what? I don't know if I want to go back. And I, I know that I shouldn't say that. And I know that, you know, I, but it was the truth. I said that. I don't know. Like there was some part of me like, can it ever, will it ever be repaired? The last day in their home, Rhonda and I were getting ready to go and we were standing in their kitchen area. I said, well, we're, gonna, we're getting ready to go back. And he could see I had a smile on my face. I said, listen, 
I just remembered something. Three years ago, I walked into my brother's hospital room after he received the diagnosis of pancreatic cancer, stage four. I never will forget that night as long as I live. I said, how are you doing, TJ? He said, it's not good, Jeff. He said, it's pancreatic cancer, stage four. They tell me I got three to six months to live. As his lip quivered as he told me, mine quivered as I listened to him, trying to hold it back, my emotion. And he said this to me. He said, Jeff, this, this that I'm going through is not for me. It's for somebody else's faith, not mine. I believe God's going to take care of me, and it's not for me. If it was my time, I'm ready to go, but I don't believe it is. And many of you know you've been here. We watched him begin the treatments. My brother never got sick. He never lost his hair. I, liked, I didn't like that at all. I wanted to feel, what, I wanted to, I wanted to feel one time what it was like to be, be this shiny on top. Never lost his hair. Never missed a day's work. And at 18 months, he was still here. And then they said, you know what? Your tumors are not shrinking, but they're not growing. So you may be a candidate to do surgery. And so we, they took him into surgery, and he went into surgery, and they removed all the, the tumors. They removed it. And so the doctor come out after his surgery and said, listen, as of right now, he's cancer-free. And says, I want you to know, this is not a cure. You know, that, that 10 years from now, you know, he may die. He's probably going to die in 10 years. You know what we said? We said, hallelujah. You know why? Because they said he's going to die in three months. Then they said he'd die in 18 months. Now they're saying 10 years. We said, hallelujah. If God can take him from three months to 18 months to 10 years, he can give him another 50 years. Amen? But I want you to know is God is on the throne. And as I stood there, right there in that kitchen with them, and I told them the story, how that my brother walked into this, Rhonda was saying, oh, let me back up. Rhonda was singing this song we're about to sing. Uh, the band was, he'll do it again. And they were singing that song. And God told Rhonda, said, this is a song for TJ, my brother. And so she was, we was down, you know, back then we could meet together. We could shake hands back then. You no, know, nobody thought you got something, you know, but anyways. We, we shaking hands, and she said, Jeff, I got to go text TJ. I got to go tell him about, you know, to play this song. This is his song. And, and, and as soon as she began to walk out, it was the end of our second service. And our third service, all of a sudden, my brother, who lives an hour and a half away, here he comes walking in the door down the aisle. And she runs and grabs and puts her arms around and starts. <laughs> He's like, oh, my God, what's wrong? You know, if you heard something, I don't know. And she said, this is your song. I said, God told me to tell you to play this song. Listen to it. My brother played that song every day he drove to work, and he declared no matter what report he got that he'll do it again, that God still moves the mountains. He's still the way maker. He'll do it again for you. He'll do it 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 for you. And that's how, that's how he survived. He was on faith believing that God has got this. I'm telling you, and when I told them that story, I said, we're going back to Stockbridge, Georgia, Stockbridge, Georgia, Stockbridge Community Church, and we believe that God's going to do it again. He's going to revive our community. He's going to revive our nation because we're going to call on God. Amen. We believe in the miracle working power of God and God will do it. He'll do it again. 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 Amen. Hi, this is Pastor Jeff again. I just want to say I hope you enjoyed today's message. 
If you would like to support God's work through Stockbridge Community Church, simply go to our website at secview.net. Again, that's secview.net and click the Give tab. We want to thank you again for being with us today. God bless you. Have a wonderful day.